next month, Cannibal Corpse will release their 15th studio album, Violence Unimagined, via Metal Blade Records. Violence Unimagined is state-of-the-art death metal played with passion and breathless precision, making for another flawless addition to the band's celebrated catalog. Pre-order your copy of Violence Unimagined now at metalblade.com slash cannibal corpse. Once again, pre-order your copy, Violence Unimagined, the 15th studio record from Cannibal Corpse, metalblade.com slash cannibal corpse. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, 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 listeners out there. It is I, your host, Petter Spych. I am always joined by... My name is Brandon Hahn, and you get one hello. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at your buddy Gooch. And... You get a hey. It's Sylvia. You can follow me on Twitter and uh, Twitter and Instagram. That is a Sylvia. I had a brain fart. My yeah, bad. You, you saw it's that. Right. I was a little worried. I was like, that's way too young for a stroke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she looked kind of strokey. <laughs> and make sure also to follow the co-host, Jocelyn Sharp, guys. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N. Sharp. Oh, I know. No. Now I'm doing it. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, guys. If you're on TikTok, she's on TikTok. It's at the Wizard of Jaws. If you want to follow myself, I am at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter. Rise to Offend official on Instagram, guys. This week, back on the show. Always just just a just a pinch myself moment every time. George Corpse Grinder Fisher from Cannibal Corpse is on the show. We are here to talk about the new record violence unimagined which is out april 16th guys before we get into that interview though let's discuss a little bit about the metal sucks news get the news at your mouth get the facts straight don't deliberate or i'll tell you fucking never get the news at your mouth my dick is going in you don't know where it's been you better not bullshit me true <sighs> all right guys so um, once again, us here in America, unfortunately, this week, we had to deal with some tragic, tragic events. A couple mass shootings occurred, one in Atlanta, one in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, unfortunately, like we're never going to gloss over these things. We have said so many times, um, being a part of the media at this point, um, how heart-wrenching and destructive these things are. Um, but we're here to talk about metal musicians' comments on that, which always kind of follows through with that. The first comments we got were, uh, that metal sucks, guys, go over there. You can you can look this up as well. Sebastian Bach and D. Snyder both call for gun control reform following the mass shootings. That's the first viewpoint that we had. Um, let's talk about that. Gun control, guys. What are your thoughts on uh, yet another tragedy? Two in this week. Another one, uh, I believe, was thwarted today in Virginia. I don't know the details, so I don't want to talk about it. But there was a uh, a third one happening within ten days, like a, a another major one. But um, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, what? I mean, I've I've said it before on the show is that after Sandy Hook, uh, no gun control happening was that was kind of like this is the worst of the worst. This is the worst possible scenario I think anybody can imagine on the planet Earth is children getting shot down and nothing mm-hmm. happened then. So I've always been very cynical going forward on it. Clearly, all the things that's happened since then, we can do a thousand-page book, you know, on um, how many sh- things have happened. But at this point, do you guys feel we, we're under a different presidency? We're under a different kind of state of America. Do you guys feel like this? these shootings may now actually have some leeway to uh, 
to lead us to maybe making some gun control laws out here? What do you think? Uh, man, I, I, I don't know what the solution is, really. I, there is no easy solution in this. I it's think a tough topic anyway. It's a very Always. tough topic. No. And, and my, my solution, and the thing is, though, is people are like, all right, take away the AR-15s. And then you listen to the other, the people that are against that. And they're like, yeah, but what happens when there's another mass shooting after that mm-hmm. with a handgun? What happens if somebody goes in there with three handguns and they got 18 bullets and they just start unleashing. Yeah. There's always going to see. It seems like there's always going to follow. It's like a follow up. That's what I'm saying. So it's like eventually, you know, so these people are jumping to the conclusion and they're already seeing the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, though, it's like you, you got to do something. You got to do something. So it, it really is one of those things where it's like I, I can't get one way or the other because I don't know how this doesn't get more ugly taking away the guns. But I also don't know how we prevent these horrific deaths by not doing anything i've always been of the school is that when you prove that you can't handle some freedoms unfortunately the government's got to figure out how to slap us on the wrist and take some away when 9-11 happened uh, everybody remembers born to play in pre 9-11 opposed to after a lot of regulations happened it was crazy they got to a point where we're like this is ridiculous most of us but we also understood that the reason that we lost some of that freedom is to save innocent lives, right? Mm-hmm. Are we not there yet with the AR-15, out of curiosity? Are we not there with the assault rifle? You know, are, are we not there yet? We're like, all right, clearly Americans, young Americans or whatever, whoever is the majority of the culprit, it's, it's all over the spectrum. I don't want to say young Americans. Yeah. Clearly that, you know, in order to protect innocent lives uh, in this country, there needs to be a slap on the wrist of some sort to be like, guys, you know what? Yeah, the Second Amendment was a big thing. We were talking about muskets back then. We're talking about, you know, assault rifles now. I'm not going to make that distinct, distinguish, you know, I don't really know that because I, I understand why the Second Amendment's there. And I think, you know, people should be able to own guns. But I also value over everything innocent lives, you know, um, but you would think out. at some point, you think Sandy Hook would be the you that know, to me that the was top the top of the top. Like, hey, we need to do something. But then you had the the shootings in Las Vegas. You had so uh, many more. There's, yeah. yeah, there's a bunch after. Yeah, yeah. And that was the thing. I remember when Obama cried and all those things. I was like, something's gonna happen. The funny thing is, though, and here's the thing. What I love about the gun control thing is everybody points the fingers and they want to uh, dig their heels in and make sure they stand by their their political party. And the funny thing is, is you, the gun control is a strictly, you know, a conservative topic. You know, they definitely don't want the gun control. But the president that probably put on the most severe gun control laws was Trump when he did away with bump stocks. Yeah, after the Las Vegas it was shootings, like, he did. He's he the only one that stocks, did yeah. stuff. Obama actually loosened the laws. So it's like, if you just pay attention to what's going on, I think we can get somewhere. But again, I don't see a middle ground here. Yeah, I think it's either going to be one way or it's like you get rid of the AR-15. I don't think. White. Yeah, I don't think it's going to stop a fucking thing. I think the reason why people do the AR-15 is because it's people talk about it. They they go AR-15. Oh yeah, so they just go into the gun store and they just say what people are talking about. That's it. It's not like they, it's not. Like it's going to make him a more efficient killer because this person is just walking around aiming and shooting random random people because he's a fucking psycho. And 
Unfortunately, a lot of people want to sit there and point the finger at, at Europe. Well, Europe doesn't have guns. Look how good they're doing. You're right. You're absolutely there's right. There's been mass shootings uh, out there. There but, has but, been. But there's been laws. But, oh, my God. There's to, There's been laws to stop them. Yeah. And my mm-hmm. thing is, though, Australia, is... Australia, New Zealand, yeah, right, Europe. Right. There's been laws to be like, yo. And the people and the government come together and say, yo, we can never have this happen. Yeah, again. but this is... this We're is. A, but Americans are on, on a, a different level of self-entitlement. Well, and, and guns have been integrated into our culture. Guns guns, and standing up for your freedom and all that stuff, that wasn't integrated into other cultures until we until we were the ones like, that's right. And then everybody's like, yeah, we can be cowboys too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened. We're, we're a different level of population. We're a different level of having to protect yourself, unfortunately, yes. because we can't be managed by no. police force. There's too many of us. When people, we try have it. to actually, you know, have to manage ourselves in a lot of ways. So there's a lot of things that when you bring up other countries, there's a lot of things that I don't think are on the same page that we can talk about. I, I've had people say, "Well, New Zealand does this." New Zealand is a it's a different country, it's different a population, different like different everything. Yeah. Like we can't we can't say, but it's like, dude, this- a population of New Zealand is like a quarter of New York City. That is one American city. A quarter. It is four times more than a whole country. And well, that's like, why we can't compare the two. That's what that's, I'm saying. That's it's where just, I've, I've always I, felt that argument doesn't placate now. But my thing is this, dude. It's, it's right now, I don't see how we get out of the situation. You take away the guns. They're going to look for something worse. Oh, no. Or do something else. It's gonna, That is, I mean, I know Pete hates this, but that is what will lead to civil war because... Yeah. You're going to have people, you are going to have people form together. And I do believe that you're going to cut the military in half because the military is going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. I, you're going to take away my fucking guns now? You know, so how many people are just going to go along with the government and does what they say, which, by the way, has never been the American way. The, the American way has always been like, yeah, fuck you, government. Or it's, we need help. We need help. Fuck you, government. We need help. And it's like, well, who do you think is going to fucking help you? I feel like there's been a mass shooting in, in so many communities You're now right. in the 50 yeah. states that the gun control laws would not be as dramatic as you were stating. Like you, when you bring up this Colorado thing, I, 35 miles in, 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 in circular radius, you had this Colorado shooting that just happened at the King Super, unfortunately. You had Columbine. You had... James Holmes shooting up the dark night. That's in a 35 mile radius. Mm-hmm. And that's in just one area of America. And now if we want to break it down, every, Texas is going to have one. New York's going to have one. We're going to have one. California's had, you know, it, I'm just saying like Florida had, obviously there's so many when we go to Sandy Hook, we've just crossed. Right. There's so many people mm-hmm. out there that, and, and that one thing about human beings, not just us in America is that, we do have sympathy, and when we have a tragedy like this, we do get upset, and we want to bring our community together, and we want to do things to help out. So I don't think that the reaction now, yes, there will be a sect that reacts insanely, but I don't think the reaction of a civil war type thing would happen at this point because, dude, it's not it, – it's happened everywhere where we all feel like we did that night. It happened here in Vegas. I just, we all know how that felt. I just think that – And we can relate now to the people at the – I just think that there are millions of people out there, a huge, like everybody that voted for Trump, for God's sakes. I mean, that, that's uh, millions and millions of people in this country. 70 million. I think yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Take away their guns, dude. No, I'm not. I'm that's not. what I'm saying, man. They're not. They're not, not going to go. Happy. They're not. They're not going to be you. happy. And I could see 70 million people going, hey, these motherfuckers are trying to take our shit. Let's band together. And they can, mm-hmm. you know, and it's. 
I don't know how you would stop it. And that that's all I'm saying. It's like, I do want there to be gun control, but at the same time, I'm like, how do you stop? I don't want to be, yeah, gun control. And I'm like, is it going to do anything? I don't think it's yeah. going to do it, shit. It, it, it depends on what it looks like. The little details yeah. that they have to work on. And, and I also, it's like, I'm taking wanted, away bump stocks. There was, was there any backlash though? There was a little bit, but it's, it's funny. Yeah. Bit. The funny thing is though, is it was like, again, the whole Trump campaign was like, you know, they're trying to take away your guns. And this guy's the one that's that <laughs> is the one on the bus that puts the ban on bump stocks. And it's like, OK, but you but you still love him. You still like, well, yeah, he's definitely more. He wants there to be less government. I mean, he just took away something from your assault rifle. You know, I mean, I'm again, Americans, it, it, we're a complicated breed. There's so much. <laughs> I don't know how to put a fucking finger on it. And then the opposing opinion, I want to go to the next uh, story, is uh, System of Down guitarist uh, Darren Malakian. He um, said guns are an essential tool for defense, and then he hashtag defend gun control. So clearly he thinks that there should be no gun control. I think that's what I would get from that message. Yes. I think yeah. you guys as well. Um, again, System of Down, very liberal man, but you know John, John Dolmayan, very conservative, surge, very liberal. Darren somewhere looks like so, he's somewhere in the, like middle, the middle, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle, yep. Absolutely. And um, yeah, but I mean, from for, from whatever his viewpoint is, is maybe maybe on his level, it's like, hey, I have to be able to protect myself. That is something that is is very much in, in a capitalistic society is that you have to take care of yourself and your own because nobody else will. And if somebody comes at you in a any kind of way that you can't protect yourself, then you failed in this country for yourself, your family. So that's that's one thing about gun control. But again, from my perspective... I think there is a middle ground for these weapons that can really, really, I, I don't even care if they raise the age to 25 when a brain is fully developed to give people the right to have these weapons, you know, because when I look at the majority of these killers, unfortunately, 19, 21, the guy was just 21, did this. They're, they're of an age where they, they're, they don't have reality based in no. them yet. And I just feel like if we can get those out of their hands, you know, the guy that shot up. Um, yeah, but the, how do you do that, though, bro? I mean, it's like if they raise the age, that's not a compromise to be like, look, guys, we're not taking away your guns, but we don't think you should be able to get an AR-15 until you're 25. You think that's that crazy of a compromise? Uh, I don't think it's that crazy of a compromise. But at the same time, I just don't know if it'll do anything. Like I said. AR-15. That's not... People get People think it's a machine gun. It's not. It's semi-automatic, which is like a handgun. So it's like... So every time it's you pull bigger. the trigger... Yeah, every time you pull the trigger, it shoots. That's what semi-automatic is. And it's like... Again, if somebody wanted to go in there and dress up like El Duce from the fucking Boondock Saints with like just six different handguns on mm -hmm. their body, they can make the same damage almost. Now, granted, you're not going to be able to do distance like the piece of shit in, that shot in up Las Vegas, it, yeah. you know what I mean? But... But but at, but if you're just going to go into a grocery store or something like that, what is stopping a psycho from doing that? And unfortunately, we almost need like a minority report to stop the fucking crimes before they happen. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like you. How are you going to be able to uh, vet somebody? You know, like how are you going to be able to, to with somebody with that never went to a, a psychiatrist that never received any kind of treatment? And then they go in there and they sign up for a gun. And now all of a sudden they mm -hmm. got the weapon. But I mean, it's like, how do you stop it real quick? Uh, and we'll move and making, on. And I, that would and that would also require making medical records public. I, I know that I know that this is something that's hard. Our heart goes out to all the victims. They do. It, it does. I mean, it yeah. does. And that's why we never want to gloss over these things. I will not allow myself not to feel or be desensitized just because they keep happening. But if we go back to when this happened we can go back to 
Columbine. We can go back to Sandy Hook. We can go back to the James Holmes shooting at the Batman Theater. And if we started laws then, okay, little laws, 25 years old, you can't have the gun. All right, we can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. Slowly, we would have gotten somewhere to stop one of these crazy people, uh, quote unquote, as you're saying, from doing something because the access is hard. When things are convenient, things like this can happen easier and faster. And I'm not saying that there is a way to just cold turkey stop anything but in I America think, like, or anywhere. Small changes like you're saying but would, would like, help. You brought up the bump stocks that Trump did, right? Okay. To me, I was like, he did something. That's all I'm asking for. Every time something happens, if we do something, we stop something. Okay. Somebody going up on in a, in a casino now with bump stocks, right? They're illegal. He's got to do it illegally. It's harder. I know it's harder. Yeah. I just want that loophole harder. And I think it's not too much to ask for little changes. Cause I don't, I, I'm not trying to ban anything, but I do feel like there should be a reaction when innocent lives continually go down the far, the same route. If we had 15 9-11s happen year after year with planes and we're just like okay we can't do anything people have to fly i think you guys would feel the frustration and be like wait we, we gotta got do something yeah yeah we gotta you know fly. like can yeah. we talk about something like you know can we figure this out and it's like like i said after that there was this kibosh and and security did what it it, it did and and it never happened again because it can't we can't let it happen again and that's all i'm saying the little things matter so do i expect stop everything no but do I expect if if our government and and people cared about these innocent victims that they would change something um, every time this happens? Yeah. And I then do. we as Americans are going to be like, I understand. Yeah. But the thing is, though, dude, is here in America, it's like... That well, is, make it state laws, dude. Well, that is just one... I, Pete and I disagree on how Americans are. I always feel like the, the state of the country is held together by the thinnest of threads just because we are so entitled and just... You know, there there's not everybody's like Pete who thinks about their fellow man. You know what I mean? I think 80 percent of Americans are the empathy, opposite of Pete. Empathy yeah. is missing yes. in America. Yeah. Is what's happening. And that's I, I think empathy is missing in, in a portion of America. And that's the immature portion of America. That's mm -hmm. what I feel. I feel any mature person who's lived for a long time and been around people in this country have empathy, understand, but that immature version is loud. I understand that, so but it, it's like they have empathy, they understand, but at the same time, this is where things get crazy because I always, I've kind of come to this point in my life to where it's like, I, I realize that every time I've spoken out against something, I've hurt my cause because let's just say I jump on Facebook and I say- you've spoken out in anger. Yeah, and well, no, I'm just saying, let's just say I jump out on Facebook and yeah, and I speak out on something. That's usually when you speak out, you're a little fed up with something, you mm -hmm. say something. And, you know, it doesn't help the cause. Me going out there just saying, hey, let's stop X, Y, Z. Then all of a sudden I just open myself up to getting attacked, to getting blasted. And it's like, you know, and then and the thing is, in America, it's like a lot of people, well, I ain't going to take that, you know, especially through the warm glow of the screen. Now, all of a sudden, you're fighting with everybody. Now, the people that you're fighting with, they you just look even less human to them, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, I don't know how to stop that. I just don't know how to stop Americans from being like that. And we all are. They always say, you know, I hate the statement where it's like, if you if you stand by in silence, you're part of the problem. I hate it 
because it's not 100% the truth, but there is a lot of truth to it. No, there's not. Actions are better than words. So if Actions, you don't say anything and you go do the right thing. But you're, but you're forgetting yeah. something, dude. You're, they, those words. See, here's the thing. Words don't do shit to Pete, but they do shit to 85% of Americans that I notice because shit gets fucking swung around. Words don't hurt somebody like Pete. I see words push people over the edge fucking daily because I'm, I'm i do stand-up comedy and i'm around a bunch of performers that operate through their emotions there are so many people that operate through their emotions that i do believe that when you do speak out on something it does lead towards a solution if you just stand by and not say anything why would the government even think about making a change you know, you do have to make a little bit of a noise, but you've got to make sure you make just the right amount of noise to not fuck up your cause and still make sure that you come across as a human being to the opposition. And it just doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this a little bit. I think what's in, in terms what's fucking up people's causes is their imagination is attacking themselves and their fear is getting the best of them. And their fear plus their imagination is going to take them to a level that is clearly not going to be the reality of what's actually going to happen and that's the thing is that we all have uh, a very vivid imagination and when i'm scared of something and i'm like if this happens this happens this happens and i think the end result's going to be the something anxiety, the yeah. anxiety and stuff like that that's not the reality if it actually went down that way but that's my belief system because my imagination has made it my reality because i put those pieces together because i'm smart enough to make sure i don't get there right and so that fear and that imagination is attacking me because I'm jumping to this conclusion opposed to the reality of like, hey, AR-15s at 25 years old. That's going to start a civil war. That's my imagination attacking me. Okay? And I see where you're coming from. And, it, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I relate with that kind of mindset. I've been there myself, you know, with many other things. Maybe not this specific topic. But my point is, is that small steps change reality and people accept those small steps extreme steps like we all think through our imagination all right that's what we can accept and that's the whole thing because that's nobody's doing that we're not going that route but we think if we give them a little they get to take everything right i get it i get both sides i do um another tragic tragic time um we'll move on uh, everything you're saying is valid to me it really is i see where you're coming from i just think that clearly we're behind in helping innocent people at grocery stores and schools and movie theaters. It's been years though. Oh, yeah, we're behind in, in, in or concerts and and being behind bothers me and a lot of people out there. And just, all we're asking for is not I'm I I'll be the first to say I'm not asking for taking away guns, but I am asking for care and if we keep showing that immaturity leads to deadly violence that there has to be more on the table that's all i'm saying so before because i do uh my interview super long with uh mm -hmm. with corpse grinder we talk dude fans i'll give you a heads up we talk nfl for 45 minutes we talk football i don't give a shit and corpse grinder I, you talk to the wrong guy yeah no yeah brandon 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 wish guy. wishes because you guys would have talked for thir three hours yeah. but anyways the point is I, I love talking football um and i the fact that you know i don't get to do it too often in the metal world so you guys are in, in for a treat on that but i we got two stories two good stories before we segue into that interview first story is that this is what lemmy Lemmy is like just just the definition of metal. But he sent his uh, his closest friends bullets with his name engraved in there and some of his ashes in there. 
I mean, is there a more metal way to go out? Be like, here's some of my ashes. I love you. Put me on a counter. That is cool. Uh, I want my ashes to be made into a battle axe. Uh huh. Yeah. Who gets it? Like a monomarth. Um, you know what? Everybody gets a. You you can get the handle. Mm-hmm. Sylvia can get a blade, and my wife will get a blade. Okay. Oh, and then yeah. I then I also need something for my my sister. So it's like, yeah, you'll maybe, figure it maybe out later. Something oh, and then else. I got to get something for Jocelyn too. So I'll get an axe and a shield. Okay. And then oh. and, and then maybe a, a spear and a Thor helmet. Oh, dude, yes, Thor helmet. Fucking yes. Oh, okay. dude, so much. So all I'm saying is just look at an Amon Amarth album, okay? <laughs> and all the and all the swords and all that shit. That's, That's you. Turn my ashes into that shit. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I'm getting buried in the ground because I like the earth. But what about you? I, really? Yeah, I'm not. No oh, ashes. I thought me. I would be. Yeah. Put me up in the one fucking, with the earth. Oh, dude. Uh, getting uh, eaten uh, by maggots or whatever. Yeah, right absolutely, now. man. Nah, absolutely. Explode my body, bro. Just explode. Just put put a bunch of M80s in me and just fucking light it off. No, in because the at some point I want to come back and I want to be like a vampire or something. A vampire. Yeah. yeah. Mm. If, or like yeah. If, well, if you a, were a vampire, the, the cherry bombs wouldn't do that to you. If I was a oh. classic horror person, I'd want to be the Invisible Man. You're the worst. That's the, <laughs> worst. the worst. Fucking that, what? Oh, get out of here. That's I want to be the invisible man. Oh my god, dude. Okay, first I, I just, just think a floating trench coat creep- is as cool as they cup. No, no, no. Pete. Be like the werewolf or something. No, 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 dude. This is what the invisible man. Werewolf the inv- like eats people. No, the bad. invisible man, dude. And the invisible man like fucking stares at naked chicks and rapes them. You're gonna it's be a just pervert. as bad. Oh, that's Hollow Man. No, that's no, no, an no, no, invisible no, no. man. Okay, that's Hollow Man. I'm talking about the original what think, invisible man. What do you think man. Hollow Man was? He was the invisible. Yeah. Man. <laughs> It's like a fucking movie. You just replace the Look, word invisible with hollow and expect like us to call it the same shit. Frankenstein. Oh man, I That's don't want to. I don't want to rape people. No, no, no. Frankenstein. Frankenstein <sighs> dies, and then the doctor. What well, the the Frankenstein was the doctor. The monster was a dead person that gets reanimated. Hey, you guys, that's my answer. Brandon, who would you be? She wants to be a vampire. She's Dracula. I'm oh my Dracula. god! Just yeah, vampires are by far the cooler thing. You know, oh, I, mean, I, I want to be Nosferatu. I don't. I don't want to be a werewolf just because I don't want to lose my control and start. You know, I don't want to be hanging out with you guys and all of a sudden full moon takes off and I rip off. You know, rip off your heads. I'd and be stuff. invisible. You wouldn't find me. Oh, believe me, I'd be able to. Smell. I turn into a bat. I'd be able to smell <laughs> you. Like, boom! I'd be like, fuck you. I'd be able to Fly smell Pete. I'd be able to smell pete i'd find pete that's because invisible you know that doesn't cover up the smell vampires you might be able to get away well because i'd be a bat and i'd be and like you can also around. turn into mist there's all types of shit that vampires can do so that's why you always go vampire if you're gonna go if i'm gonna be a movie monster you pick vampire or hellraiser hellraiser is not a class i'm talking about the universal classic monster right, yeah, we're not vampires. we're not going the to the easy black lagoon. dude who gets the most See, hot the is, who wants to be the creature of the black lagoon i think that would suck no that stuck would in a suck. lagoon. yeah that's like the worst yeah you can't well, it's yeah. better than the invisible man yeah don't believe me that just dude pete <laughs> i've never looked at you in such a negative light the invisible man i can pour paint so on me too. Yeah. yeah he's just like, like i'm, I'm gonna be the invisible my, man my favorite is the invisible man he's the guy that's like okay would you rather be able to fly or be invisible pete's like invisible why because I like floating trench coats. I'm like, you could have been. <laughs> I said that. You could have been a vampire in a floating trench coat. You know what I mean? They could go invisible too. Vampires can make themselves invisible. Or they invisible. can have like a little bat trench coat. Yes. It'd be so adorable. But no, you chose the invisible man. Yeah. I don't have to suck blood. I don't have to eat people. I can eat food.
food. It's it's cool. It's just uh, like you can suck blood at a blood bank. You can you can. I'm sure you'll be able to make some friends with some people that are like, hey, Gooch, Brandon, could you you know put the needle in? I'm a little hungry, and I'm like, well, you got to buy me a sandwich. Done. You know, like whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like I'll help you out. I'd help you out. You but scratch you'd have my to, back. I'll scratch yours. Yeah. You'd have to pay for my lunch though. Like if I give you my lunch out of my arm, you got to buy me lunch that goes into my tum tum. If I was the Invisible Man and we went to a restaurant, <laughs> you guys, I would make you laugh so much. I would go mess with everybody in the. It would be so funny. Yeah. But you would be naked because you can't be walking around That's with right, clothes yeah. because then they'll see that there's somebody. Yeah, meanwhile, I'm not, I, I'd I'm be not afraid, comfortable. Yeah. I'm not comfortable just walking around naked. I'd be in afraid a of Pete putting his naked dick on my taco and I'd be like, dude, no, yeah. no. And then I, you wouldn't tell me. No one wants dick tacos. So I don't. I, I could guarantee you I would I would Yeah, I think you would I would gavel he his would gavel dick, my I would taco. gavel his taco. God, oh my god, that sounded gay. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, my God. It's okay. It's all right. But I'm just saying, like, you know, we're both straight. No, it's aggressive. Yeah. It was Gavel my taco. <laughs> God just damn. aggressive, dude. Jesus Christ. Hashtag me too. <laughs> Hashtag court is now in session. <laughs> Hashtag taco. court is now in session. Oh, <laughs> inside jokes. Wow. All right. All right. Okay. Wow. Well, dude, we had a hard gun control talk. We had, yeah, we had to go. Sure. We had, we had to try to, to be funny. We had to right? go dick talk. So. Gravel my taco. Mm, gavel. gavel. Oh, gavel. I was gravel. Gravel my taco. That's just me. Oh, I'm yes. not going to make somebody gravel. Jesus Christ. Gravel my taco. You no. Last story before the interview, guys. Like I said, you're in for a treat. Rob Zombie's new record, Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Clips Conspiracy, debuted number one on the Billboard charts. Oh, it's his first one. Congratulations. Metal, heavy music, everything. How many how many records? How many units, Pete? It sold 26,000 oh. copies in its first week. Yeah. There's 400 million people here. 26,000 copies is where we're at for the number one record in America. But it doesn't matter because A, Rob Zombie's been working at it for 30 years. B, it's his first number one. And C, that's heavy music taking the top spot of people that buy physical fucking copies and stuff. So, hey, man, it's all a win. You can be cynical about it. No, no, I'm just it's saying, like, win, man, dude. it's like I just, I just want these records to make these artists some money. And it's just, I don't... I just want him to be able to. And now, look, Rob Zombie's got plenty of other avenues. But if this were like a brand new band, I mean, what, what two weeks ago we said Chevelle sold ten million records and they, they haven't seen have, a dime. Have no fucking money for it. It's, oh yeah, that happened. Yeah. It's Aww. it's sad to me. That's sad to me. So Chevelle. it's like I'm glad. I'm but I am glad that the metal community, the rock community, punk rock community, whatever, the, the live instruments community. That's pretty much what it's turned into now. <laughs> it's like the people that perform. Yeah, the live people. You know, the people that practice and put in work. And you know, instead of just hitting a fucking button, came take, out and, yeah. and, and uh, put him on number one. Yeah, it's a yeah. fucking win. So it's good Love to see. It. It's good to see that uh, the real music lovers, and I, and I do believe that. I do believe that th- these are the real music lovers, and that's why I don't think. You know, they're like, rock and roll is dead and it's not, it may not be popular, but it'll never be dead. Mm-hmm. It'll never be dead. And it's like, because of things like this, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, what was it? Uh, Pretty Reckless was number one too. So yeah. it's like, that's another hard band yeah. that, that's at least snatching the, the top spot. And, and that's Rob, huge. Rob Zombie didn't have to get naked on his grave for number one. He didn't one. have to get didn't naked have to on his grave. He should have. Yeah. yeah. He didn't, have to, he didn't hey. have to sit there and, and, and bump he, vaginas like fucking Megan the Stallion did. It was just like on the Grammys. Oh, I don't know anything, I don't know anything I about this. I didn't see that. Yeah, but, yeah. It was yeah. fucking disgusting, but it's like, <laughs> you get it too, dude. I don't know anything about that, I'm but all that I now. all I do yeah. know, and you can Google it Google right it. now, because yep. we're gonna jump into my interview, guys, with George Corpse Grinder Fisher of Cannibal Corpse. 
So uh, last time I talked to you, we talked football for a long time. What's your take on the Tom Brady thing right now? What What are your thoughts on it? Do you feel like he is the greatest of all time without question? Or do you? I don't. I. I uh, nah. I've never been. Let me tell you right now. I've never been a Patriots fan. And obviously, he's most associated with them. Yeah. Um, but you know, come on. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. The guy left, you know, he was a system quarterback to all these doubters and he left the system and, you know, he won the Super Bowl with a different team. I mean, you know, there's only a few quarterbacks have done that. Peyton Manning, I think, you know, I think if only a few have played in another Super Bowl, another team, you know, so anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, you probably have to give it to him. I mean, if championships are what we're going to define people by, you know, by then, you know, begrudgingly, you know what I mean? I wish it was somebody, you know, on the Ravens or the Broncos, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, Absolutely, yeah. man. How do you feel about Lamar Jackson? Do you feel like the future's bright, or do you feel like he might? Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. He's, been, he's been in the playoffs three years. He's been in the league three years. You know, you're uh, listen. Not everyone is going to be a Patrick Mahomes or 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 what. Now look at Dan Marino. Uh, what was it? You know, he wasn't. You know, he went one time and he went very early and never made it back. You know, I mean, you know, he hasn't even made it to a Super Bowl yet, which I know he's going to. I mean, he said it on draft day. I'm going to win. I'm going to bring you all Super Bowl. Believe that, you know, and I do. And look, you know, people, of course, obviously he's an incredible athlete. He can run around. He runs around and whatnot, creates plays. And, but if he improves his passing, which he has done every year, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, how many times I, this is what kills me is, you know, people, you know, well, look, he can't pass. It's like, yeah, he can. I mean, you know, not every quarterback comes in just being awesome right away. Uh, There's very few Patrick Mahomes out there, you know. I mean, and even he looked mortal, you know, and that's because that's for different reasons. But, you know, he looked mortal because they just harassed him the whole day. And that's what happens. People, people, People know Lamar Jackson can run. So if you stop that, if you stop the running game of the Ravens, they're done. Because he hasn't proven he could beat you at the pass. But he's in his, he was his third year. So. Point I'm making is, he could just spend his whole offseason getting better and better and better passing. And if that guy really becomes like, say, you know, even like a half a Tom Brady passing, I mean, he, and I would know he want he would want to be more. Then forget it, dude. Don't just crush everybody. If you can't if you can't stop the run, you can't stop his pass his passing game. Then it's it, it looks it'll look bad for the rest of the NFL. Absolutely. I'm just uh, I'm just wanting the Broncos. You listen, because let me just say this. I mean, I'm from Baltimore. I was yes. born and raised there, but I've been a Broncos fan for a long time, you know. <clears throat> and so, you know, uh, they just need to deal with their quarterback situation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. When, when that's done, and, and, I, and I think I have the solution. I, I'm not, not, not that I knew anyone, by the way. But, you know, Deshaun Watson's not happy. I mean, come on. You get him, they're instantly in the playoffs. Seriously. I think that's a great idea, and uh, the only other team that I think would fit better for him would be the Colts, but that's a rival, so I can't see them trading him to the Colts. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but he has a no-trade clause, and he is the one who's going to say, I'll go there or not. Let me tell you right now, the Broncos, in my opinion, have two – like, look, their offensive line was terrible the year before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Derek Bowles didn't play really good, you know, and they gave him a new contract. They believed in him, and he – he he totally fulfilled all the obligations. He was great, you know, and their offensive line was better. And, you know, they had some injuries, obviously. Um, 
while Nolan was gone and Corliss Hutton got hurt, you know, yeah, they lost a bunch of guys to just injuries. But that offense has a lot of players. Yeah, absolutely. And if, look, and listen, you can't just, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you, if you're going to get, uh, if you're going to get the Sean Watson, you're giving up on Drew Locke, period. I mean, they're not that much uh, difference age-wise. So, but the Sean Watson is like, boom, you know, he's a winner. I mean, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been in any of the games they were in if it wasn't for him. The Broncos wouldn't have been in any of the games they were in if it wasn't for their defense somehow playing with with injuries and and whatnot. And they still played hard, you know. And the coach, of course, is an idiot and cost them a few games just because of bad clock management. Tennessee Titans game, uh, another bad, bad timeout calling. Uh, Raiders game, the last game of the season, you cost them. The, I mean, come on. Yeah, so anyway, just oh, my football ring will be over in two seconds. And I'll no, I love this. it. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson instantly makes that offense just dangerous. Not because Drew Lock might, Drew Lock could become Deshaun Watson part two without the, I think without the running ability. And he is sort of mobile, but, but he's not noticed. He's Deshaun Watson. He's no Lamar Jackson. But I think that if he, you know, improves and stops being stupid with interceptions, he'd be good. But if you've got a chance to like, just get Deshaun Watson, it's not like you're, 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 you'd be trading Drew Lock for Peyton Manning when he came to the Broncos when he's like 30-some years old. No, you're getting a guy who could play for your team for 10 more years easy. Basically become your you know next John Elway, you know? I mean, so I've just seen it. I've just seen it places. And I remember when I first heard that, they, that he was unhappy in Houston, I was like, oh, the Broncos should get him. It's perfect. It's a winning so we'll culture. See, yeah, it's a winning culture. We'll too. see. Yeah, they've they've got some players. They've got some players. They they could they could send Houston would obviously if just and here's the big key. Deshaun Watson is like, I'm not playing for you guys. Screw you. If that's his mentality, then it's not a question of whether you know they're going to be good or not. And they got cheated because because O'Brien was a moron. They don't have the draft. The draft is a shot. You know, they lost all those picks and whatnot. You know. I mean, and look, they, they got rid of Hopkins for nothing. So they're in bad shape. I mean, and and, and they're handcuffed because, you know, I mean, you know, nowadays, you know, you could just say, well, I'm not going to play, whatever. And and he could, and if, if they want to trade him, he can just pick where he wants to go. So we'll see, man. I, I would, I would, that would be great. I really think that would change the Broncos around because then even if they were bad and they just played pretty good and it's because of the stupid coach, um, then to get rid of him, he's funny and they're competent and boom. Yeah. Look at the, I'm a Browns fan. So the coaching thing. And then like you, when you're talking about Jackson, how everybody just was horrible with Mayfield all the way through, I kept my faith in them. And again, this year, uh, for us friends, it was like, I mean, I can't tell you the last time <laughs> there was hope. So dude, I thought, I thought they, I thought the they were going to make some real noise. I mean, I really yeah. did. I, I really believed. And, <sighs> and look, listen, but, but, but come on. I mean, look, here's the point. It's, it's like with Lamar Jackson, you know. <clears throat> okay, if you get in the playoffs every year and you never win, well, you can always say, well, you know, better luck next year and, we, and you know, we'll do it next year and, and whatnot. But eventually you got to start thinking, well, you can't get somebody over the hump, you know. It's kind of like, <clears throat> like how people viewed – Look at the Buccaneers when they won their first Super Bowl. Tony Dungy, you know, great coach. Everyone loves him. Great defensive mind. Everyone loves him. He just didn't have – he's just – to me, like, you know, when he got to the Colts, you know, I think that they, you know, they put some things together. But he had Peyton Manning. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And 
and whatnot. And, and obviously he did work and whatnot. I'm not saying he was totally useless, but look at Gruden's fire. Like, you know, I mean, you know, he didn't, he won, he won, they went to the playoffs two times when Gruden was, was here in Tampa. But John Gruden had the, the like, basically he had this little fire and you just, he poured the gas can on it. They already had the defense and he put everything else in place. And it didn't hurt, hurt that they played against Callahan and the Raiders. And John Lynch said it on the sideline. Hey, we know every play they're calling because they knew the whole system that the Raiders were running because who was the coach last year? So, but I'm just saying, like, they needed that spark. Mm-hmm. And and with the Browns, I mean, you know, everyone's been talking, you know, next year, next year. And I think you got it. I mean, Baker Mayfield really, I think, uh, could do better by not – I'm looking – look, you know, get the money you want, but but what's your job, you know? I mean, do you want to, you know, spend all this time making a million commercials or do you want to actually – play football and get better. And if he gets better then then the ceiling, you know, the, the sky's the limit because, you know, they've got they've got the beginnings of a good team. If they if they draft well and, and, and you know, you know, free agency can change a lot of things in the draft. It can change a lot of things for every team. You know? Yeah. We'll see. Uh, we will see. I just tell you right now that, you know, anybody who beats the Steelers, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I know you hate them. So. I do, my friend. I do. And, uh, yeah, this this year, that was the big one is that we took them out in the playoffs, our first playoff win against our rival. Like I said, there was a lot of things. Yeah, not just your rival. That's no. like – Yeah. That is the arch enemy. That's that's your Green Goblin. You know what I mean? That's like, you know, Spider-Man <laughs> Green Goblin, yeah. ultimate oh, yeah. enemies. That is, that's your Green Goblin was, is the Steelers. It's, and, and pretty much and, – and you know what? It's because they win. They have a great organization. They do things, you know, they do things well and, and whatnot. They pretty much made a lot of great decisions, and they're winners. And you can say that. Look, when I was younger, when I was really like, you know, like seven or so, and the Steelers were winning, impressionable kid. You know, my the Baltimore Colts were still in Baltimore. My father's like, you're a Colts fan, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just remember my grandmother had asked me one year what I wanted for for Christmas. I was like. I want a, like a wool hat, you know, Steelers. And my dad's like, what? You know, and I'm like, Steelers, you know, because they were winning. And I didn't know any really much better. I was like seven years old or eight years old. That's like, you know, maybe even six. I mean, that's the 76, you know what I'm saying? So that's when they were winning. And, you know, that's like a lot of kids who just start rooting for the Cowboys when they were winning. You know, you're a Cowboys fan. You're a Yankees fan if they're winning. And that's what it was for me. And then, of course, I realized the, the error of my ways. And then before I knew it, the Colts were gone. And I was so pissed off and just in the metal so much more, you know, just every more and more football was just becoming a memory to me. And a few years later, I just happened to, to, to be watching football with some friends and, and John, I was just like, John, oh, the, the Colts drafted him, didn't they? And of course my friends all were like, he didn't want to play for Baltimore, which he didn't want to play for her say. And, uh, you know, they hated him, and I don't know why. I just was like, oh, yeah, okay. I haven't watched football in a few years because I was just so pissed, you know. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just, you know, I just was watching the Broncos, and I just, you know, it was basically what just basically became my team. So by the time I had rooted for the, by the time the Ravens came to town, and I know that, you know, everybody oh, in Cleveland hates them yeah. just for that reason, for, for obvious reasons. But I, rem- but, uh, but I remember when, by the time they had come to town, I've been rooting for the Broncos as long as I'd ever rooted for the Colts. I mean, probably longer, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like one of those things. Like, people always bitch at me. You got two teams. That's, you got stupid. You're not loyal. And it's like, listen, if the Broncos play the Ravens, which they have a couple years, the year that the Ravens last won the Super Bowl, they punked the Broncos and Peyton Manning. 
with that long bomb from Joe Flacco, the only great year he had, um, and uh, and then won the Super Bowl, and then the year that they won the Super Bowl um, uh, against the Giants, they beat the Broncos in a wild card round. So hey, you know, and, and I, I and I was just like, well, I guess whoever wins, I'm I'm obviously going to root for the rest of the way. And so we'll see what happens, man. I'm telling you right now, the the, the that division is going to be. You know, yeah, it's young, it's fire, dude. The it's, AFC, yeah, it's, it's gonna be good. And it's funny because the two team thing, I am born and raised in Las Vegas, so I'm a Browns fan just because, same thing. Now, I, I actually picked it because my favorite color was orange when I was a kid, and I stuck with the team throughout yeah. all the nonsense. That's that's how it happened. I have kids now, we just got a football team, the Raiders, out here, and yeah, so I'm like, I have to have two teams now because I'm born and raised out here. And my kids yeah. have to be Raiders fans. My wife is like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm like, I, I just, like, as a father, I'm like, they're going to get to go to the stadium. They're going to get to see this atmosphere eventually, you know. Yep. And yeah. so um, I can't really sell the Browns to them. I got to just jump on board. So I'm a two-team guy now officially this year as well mm-hmm. for that reason. But Yeah. Well, look, you know what? I mean, you, you might just be forced into – you know, letting them you know, or, or forced into them liking it because they're going to go to school. Mm-hmm. The kids in their school, look, trust me, my girls could give, give two shits less about football. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll watch for a couple seconds and go dumb and then walk away because they just don't care about football. But all their friends who know a little bit about it or, or are really into it, of course, we're all, you know, Bucks fans. And, and my daughter came in after the game and she's like, did the Buccaneers win? Because all my friends are like cheering and uh, in discord and talking and whatever. And I was like, yeah, they did. Look, I'm a Broncos fan. I'm a Broncos fan. The Chiefs have beat them like 11 or 12 games in a row. I hate the Chiefs, you know. Um, but, but I root for them over the Bucks. I mean, I've, I've been down here for so long and seen the fair weather nature. And of course, part of that is because everyone is from different parts of the, you know, country. And, you know, like well, I have a neighbor that has, that's from Florida. And of course he's been a Bucks fan forever, you know, and I have another neighbor who is, uh, who's a Steelers fan actually across the street. And he was telling his wife one time, we was, he was talking to my father and my, cause my parents lived down the street at one point And he just said, Hey, he said, he's talking to my father. I was like, Hey, don't talk to them, dad. They're Steelers fans. And he's like, what? And the guy, the, the neighbor's like, what? And, and he was, I was like, we're from Baltimore. He goes, Hey, I'm there from Baltimore. She's like, ew, you know? <laughs> so, and then the, the guy next to me, I, I just remember hearing him talking to somebody. I was doing something outside the yard and he was doing some, some yard work or whatever. And he, he was talking to a guy. I just said, yeah, you know, I, I root for the Bucks cause I live here, but I, I'm from New York. So of course I'm a Giants fan, you know? And that's what happens. You come, yes. you come down here and you move here, and so many people are from other places and bring these allegiances for 20-plus years. And you live here and you kind of just go, well, my father. My father is a Ravens fan. He, he, also, roots, he also roots for the Bears here and there just when he's younger. You know, he, he, he's kind of, you know, loose with it. I mean, obviously his team is the Ravens, you know. But he's like, well, I'm rooting for the Bucks. They, I live here now. You know what I'm like? He's like, you live here too? And I'm like, I don't give a piss, man. I am not rooting for them. Uh-uh. I remember being down here when I was in Monstrosity and, you know, football would be on and you could watch, you know, you know how they have like, you know, Fox or, or say CBS and yep. they have two games on. Well, if let's say CBS had a doubleheader, you'd get two football games. If they had a Fox and, C- and Fox had a game and, and CBS had a game, you would get one football game. And sometimes the way it worked out, if, if you know, you would get none because there were blackouts because these fools here mm-hmm. wouldn't support their team. When they started winning, all of a sudden everyone's a Bucks fan. And then when they won that Super Bowl, 
the first one in 2002, I think it was, when they won that, I remember I told I told the wife, I said, listen, uh, we got to go to the mall. I just, I want to, you know, I, I, I think we were supposed to go for some other reason, but I want to go to go buy all the sports stores. And I said, I guarantee you before we get to this mall, just so you know, that I'm right. When we get here, the, the stores will be packed or there will be lines at the stores for these people who all of a sudden are Buccaneers fans buying Bucks, uh, championship merchandise. Sure enough, every damn store, there was like three stores, you know, Fanatic and a couple other, like two other stores that just were packed and they had lines going out the thing for people buying books merch. Now I can't know for a fact the length of these people's, you know, uh, love for the Buccaneers, but I can pretty goddamn sure tell you right now <laughs> that a good number of them just bought the shirts because they won. I'll tell you who would be in that, who would be in that group would be our guitar tech babyface. If he ever hears this, <laughs> Fuck you, baby. You fair weather motherfucker. <laughs> that is awesome. But is Seriously, you... our he was talking trash, and I was just like, dude, you don't even count, man. You root for the Bucks when they're in the Super Bowl. Like he never like look, all of us would we have a you know a WhatsApp chat and all of us are talking about our teams, like you know, Eric Rutan's an Eagles, Eagles fan. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Paul, Alex, and well, Alex is a lo- looser kind of fan. He's not like diehard following it. And Rob definitely follows it. Paul and Rob and Alex, of course, are Buffalo Bills fans. You know, my brother has been a Bills fan for as long a fan as, as long as I can remember. As long as I've ever been a Broncos fan, like I don't know why he just started. You know, this before they were in the Super Bowls, I believe. You know, so anyway, um, the point is, is that's like our football thing. Like Rutan is motherfucking diehard. Like mm-hmm. you know, football. He's watching the game. Good God, motherfucker! He's yelling, screaming. I- I'll do the same. Paul just. You know, we'll get disgusted because the Bills usually blow it and they'll hate me for saying that in here. <laughs> but anyway, um, the point is, is like, so we're, we're all like about it. And we all talk in the in this WhatsApp chat, you know, baby face is motherfucking ass is never talking in there. Bucks are winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, Brady's the go, blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> these are the kind of people to get that, that, you know what, I ain't condoning this at all. But these are the kind of people to get end up getting slapped in bars. Seriously. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just in your face, and it's like, and you know them, and you're just like, man, and you're drinking beers, and you just tolerance is a little bit looser, and your team is losing, and the guy who doesn't care about anything about football at all until his team, until the team where he lives is winning, is all in your face, and here are you with all your gear on. He has, he has, what? Well, oh, I got a shirt, you know. Anyway, I'm crushing Babyface right now. I love you. Anyway, I love you, Babyface, but. But God damn it, you that's the kind of person you're just like, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Dude, I chatted to Rutan when they were when he was promoting uh, upon Desolate Sands and he told me he's like, Yeah, I went out to Philly for the parade. He's like, I had to go. He was you know, we were talking about because they just won oh, yeah. at that time and he flew out for the parade. I'm like, Yeah, there's a fan. I if like Cleveland would, I don't know if I'd fly out for the parade. But if Cleveland wins, that'll just that, that's like that's just a crazy thought right now. But anyways, <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland will be insane. It will be insane. They, you know what I, mean? I might because you know, listen, when the Cavaliers won, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But it's a football town, man. You know, yeah. yeah, it's a football town. And I'll tell you right now, we were on seventy thousand tons of metal, um, and I and we were, the Super Bowl, the the Eagles Super Bowl was happening, and I told our manager, listen. I ain't playing that day because you know they play two shows on the, on the seventy thousand times. Well. I said I ain't playing that day. Said, we'll see what the schedule says. I said no, the schedule can kiss my ass. I'm not playing that day. And um, we so we had that day off. And I remember I was I was actually this guys were by the stage whatever. I, um, and um, of, of this area where they had the whole Super Bowl happening, and um, they were all you know rooting for the for the for the uh, Patriots and whatnot. I don't think like die hard, but they were just like no, they're gonna win. They're gonna win. 
And I remember just watching the game and, and I was hanging with these two guys from Scotland, you know, and they were very knowledgeable and knew their football and, you know, which is a surprise because, mm-hmm. you know, because you think they'd be in the soccer and things, you know, um, but, uh, and I just remember when they won, I was jumping up down hugging these guys like, oh, shit. And I wrote the routine like, dude, you know, I was right to him. He's like, I can't fucking believe it, you know. So it's crazy. crazy. And I was really happy for him. You know what I mean? I mean, just just because I know, like, what that's like. I'm telling you right now, when the Broncos won Super Bowl 32, I cried. I'm telling you right now, I poured beer all over myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was getting yelled at inside the house. What are you doing? Just dumping beer on myself. I ran outside like, ah, I'm just screaming. Whole neighborhood's woken up, and I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> I mean, because it was just like, you know what I mean? Like, just, just the whole just... thing with John Elway and all, and all the, all the losses, and, and just the year before with Jacksonville, and it was just, and of course, they were going to get beaten. Green Bay scored first, and I had friends from Baltimore who, you know, hate, you know, the Broncos, and they're just like, ha, ha, and I was like, listen, they're going to go down the field with Terrell Davis, and they're going to score, and then I'll call you back. So they, they did. They went back down to 7-7. I called my friend back and said, I ain't calling you to the end of the game, but you better answer. And, of course, by the end of the game, I called him, and I was like, yo, and he goes, fuck you, and hung up. <laughs> <laughs> he answered, though. He kept so, the <laughs> I mean, I just know how rude he felt. I told him, I was like, dude, yeah. listen, the Broncos won an- another one, and then they've won another one since that. But, I mean, and, and look, uh, if they win 50 in a row, and I, I on my deathbed, and they win their last Super Bowl before I'm gone from this earth, it'll still be great, but nothing will replace Super Bowl 32. Nice. Maybe some other one will be, like, so, will be special in some way. Like the one with Peyton Manning where, he, you know, we knew he was going to retire. But Super Bowl 32, man, it was just like they were going to lose. They were 14-point underdogs. Oh, so great. So trust me, one day you'll get there, and it'll be all worth it. That's what I'm saying. Yes, I really feel it too, man. I'm just, I'm just gonna keep my fingers crossed. We got a young team. Everybody, everything's good, but the defense right now, um, offensive line is good. Our run game is phenomenal. I'm just gonna keep my my. Uh, hold my breath. You just gotta hope that the organization stays stays the course because that's been their problem for yeah. a lot of years, making mm-hmm. bad decisions. Absolutely, man. Last football question before I go now. I, I know I, I feel your Tom Brady, eh, but he's in your town. When the stadium opens up, is it not going to be a big priority to go see him in that uniform with with the kids and everything like that? Just to be like, hey, I saw him. For me? Yeah. For me? Yeah. Hell no. No. <laughs> well, let me tell you this right now. My father, before, you know, when they started announcing that they may have fans, you know, and whatnot for the game or whatever. Yeah. And then, of course, um, before, you know, before I, I don't even, I think it might've been the first round of the playoffs. He was trying to get some tickets for the Super Bowl, <laughs> And he's like, you know, I want to, I want to go with, you know, I want to just do something nice for you, you know, and go to the Super Bowl. And I was like, you know what? Let me just tell you this now. I, I've been to some football games. I've been to some games down here. I was at the game where Jerry Rice tore his ACL. Uh, I'm pretty certain it was down here in Tampa. I went and saw and played the Falcons and, you know, I, a friend of mine's a big Bucks fan. And, you know, the, Michael Vick was the quarterback then, you know, um, so anyway, the point is this, I saw the first Ravens game when they moved to Baltimore. I saw the first preseason game. I saw the last game when, you know, in Memorial stadium. Um, it's great. It's cool, but I don't know. I'm a fat, lazy bastard. And uh, I just, I can tell you right now, my father was going to do that night. And my mother was trying to tell me about it. I was like, first off, it's going to cost you an arm and leg more than more than you're ever going to want to spend or yeah. probably even have not have number one as the number two, you're going to spend all that money. You know, he's like, well, they, well there's going to be packages. I'm like, those packages include plane tickets and things for people who live out of town. And we don't even know if they're going to let those people in, you know, 
we don't even know how that's going to work, you know. But, you know, just I just said, look, I have a 65-inch TV, all right? I can, we can make whatever we want to make for, for food. And basically, the price that we're going to spend on a bunch of food is going to be the price we're going to spend for two beers, two hot dogs, and two nachos, okay? It's going to be the friggin' we could spend 50 fucking dollars on, on that or spend $50 and have a whole buffet and, you know, a fridge full of beer. So there's no, and, and we're, we're probably going to get shitty seats. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Nosebleed. So what's the point? I mean, we're, we're going to, my TV, you look like you're right on the field with them, you know? So, and, and you know what? I, I just, even if, my like Brian Slagle from Metal Blade, he's a Broncos fan. And if he, if the Broncos are playing in the Super Bowl and he got the tickets, you know, and, he, and if he offered me to go, I don't know. I guess I would probably go. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know if I would enjoy it as much. You know, they stopped selling beer in the third quarter. Guess what? Georgia Tech don't stop selling beer in the third quarter. <laughs> you know what? If the team you want doesn't win, hey, when they played the Seahawks, guess what? The Seahawks kicked the shit out of them, right? The Broncos. Oh, yeah, it was a bad one. Um, guess what? Um, it, I didn't have to sit through the third quarter in a blowout where they were not winning and not be able to drink beer. I just drank beer. It's depressing, but I drank the beer, and I didn't get told I couldn't buy any more beers. I didn't get told I could only buy one beer, not two. I didn't get told any of that stuff. I drank beer, and I and I depression ate, and 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 just dealt with the with the day, and the beer helped a little bit more than if I didn't have it. So, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I just I don't know. And I'll tell you, when I went to some games here, especially like in September and October, oh. I went and saw the Broncos here uh, the year after they were they were repeating, and they had Brian Greasy was quarterback. Now we retired, and we had tickets, we had seats. Uh, it was me, Paul, Jack Owen, and Brian Slagle. Um, we had tickets maybe seven rows back from the Broncos end zone. Shannon Sharp is just is working out right there, and Terrell Davis, and it was like oh, now they lost. And all the Bucks fans tried to give me some hard, some crap. And I was like, I got two championship rings. And I used them for earplugs, losers. <laughs> um, so, so whatever the case, I, I just, I, I, for me, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be great to say you saw somebody play. Like, you know, I watched Ray Lewis play. I watched Michael Vick play. You know what I mean? I saw those guys playing. You know, I saw Shannon Sharp and Troll Davis, Hall of Famers playing. You know what I mean? Like, actually on the field and just being like, holy shit, you know? So, I mean, it's cool. I like the NFL live game, but some, some parts of it, I don't leave in the stadium stuck in traffic. You got to piss, even though you pissed right before you left, you know, you still got to pee because you've been drinking a bunch of beer, you know, and that cost you a bunch of money too. It's like me and my friends used to always say when we were younger and we couldn't go to bars, well, you know, or, you know, we, you know, we thought we're smart. I'm never going to bars. Cause you know, I hear from all my older friends that, that bars are very expensive or whatever. We're not going. And then, of course, you get older and you, and you end up going. You know what I mean? But then I started realizing, fuck, no, I'm not going. If we were on tour, we'll go to a bar here and there. Me and Johnny Knobs, our sound guy, and Chris, our, our, uh, our drum tech, even maybe face will go sometimes. But it's not a lot because, listen, we got beer. You know, if I bought a 12-pack for $24, that's four beers in a bar. You order one round, boom, there's your, there's your not 12-pack, like, say, case. You know, so, yeah. anyway the football game is the same thing, you know, and you can make whatever you want here. So I don't know. I would be on the fence. If, of course, if it was something free to me. So never say never. 
Free, free, free is my best friend as well. Never, never did me wrong. Well, you never know what I'm wrong. saying? Like, it, it'd be cool to say you oh, saw yeah. these players, but it, listen, dude, you know what would be cool to say too? I wasn't at Super Bowl 32, but I witnessed it. I, I was not there yeah. in person. Maybe that does make a difference because you know you can watch old videos of Black Sabbath from you know 1975 and be like, man, it would have been great to see it live. So I get it as a person who's made live shows my my life, you know, and, and love seeing bands live, you know. Listening to the record and watching it live are just two different things. Mm-hmm. But I just think for football, I, I've had the live experience, and I'm not saying I would never go to another game, and maybe I would, to go see old Tom Brady before he, he rides over the sunset, but it's not like it's John Elway or somebody. I mean, because, you know, Tom Brady can factually be the greatest, but John Elway is better than him to me. To me. Absolutely. Hey, I understand that too. Two, I'm gonna, I got two things. For all the people out there that are wondering about the Baltimore Colts and why you are more than welcome to be a Denver Broncos fan, there's a 30 for 30 on how they left Baltimore by ESPN. It's a documentary. I highly recommend you guys watch that because it was heartbreaking and I wasn't even a Baltimore Do you want to hear something else? <laughs> you hear, you hear, Go ahead. Yeah. Do you want to hear something crazy in that? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. They left. They, they, Ursay said, we're not moving. We are not moving, right? And then in the middle of the night, they moved. And you know the company that they used was Mayflower, right? Mm-hmm. My father worked for Mayflower for a time. My father was a was a mover. You know, he did moving in, in storage. You know, he worked for a bunch of companies, but he worked for Mayflower probably the longest, to my memory. He worked for them. And I remember, I know, but he told me, he's like, if I would work for Mayflower and I was in charge of one of them trucks, fire me, jail me, I would have turned that truck around and ran it off the cliff or something. Well, anyway, I have to say, well, I wouldn't run off the cliff, but, you know. Yeah. But he said I would have parked it somewhere where they wouldn't have found it for a while because he was just, you know, he calls the Colts the wannabes. Pretty much what he calls them. See, listen, let me tell you right now, this is one thing that pisses off Baltimore. I don't think now because the Ravens have since won two Super Bowls. Yeah. And, you know, they won a Super Bowl before the Colts ever won and won. You know, they, you know, Baltimore was back in the Super Bowl and won one before before the team that left ever ever did. So, um, you know, my father just calls them the wannabes and, and whatnot. But you know, when you think about it, like even with the Browns. It was wrong what happened to Cleveland. It was terrible, you know, because especially because Cleveland, it wasn't like they weren't selling selling out the stadium. They were horrible, and they were still people were still going to the game when the Colts left. You know, there were some other reasons behind this, and I, I will always believe that. And I wish somebody would do a documentary on it because this this is not based in facts that I know because I haven't done all the research on it. But there, there's people grumbling that think that everything that happened with the Ravens and, and with the Jaguars when they became a franchise and Baltimore and St. Louis were supposed to get a team and all of a sudden St. Louis moved from LA. It was almost like they were talking to each other under the, under the covers, you know what I mean? Like saying, Hey, don't go here. Jack Ken Cook saying, Hey, just leave the whole Delmarva area to me, you know, because he had it for so long with no team, no, no team in Baltimore. He was enjoying that. Everybody became a Redskins fan, you know? So anyway, um, but guess what? Indianapolis got to keep our team name and colors. Cleveland got to keep their team name and colors. You know, mm-hmm. for some reason, Houston got G'd, you know, or, mm-hmm. or uh, Tennessee, you know, they, they changed it. And Houston didn't get to keep the Titans. Now the Titans name is off. And who knows if that's the ownership or not. But, you know, I mean, trust me, Baltimore Colts, Baltimore Colts, it was our team, you know, and, and they just took them. And, you know, and then people are going like, oh, he broke, broke Johnny Unitas's, you know, Indianapolis Colts record. No, he didn't. But break break your break your own records, you know. Set a record, Peyton Manning. 
for the Indianapolis Colts and break that one. And then the Colts can have their own records. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. It just stuck. Like the Browns got you, Cleveland got to keep their team in colors. And Johnny Knight said to himself, they're like, what do you think about that? He said, well, that's great, but why did Baltimore not get to keep their team in colors? I mean, we played some of those championship games against the Browns. You know, we're just as big a part of history as, you know, I mean, if you want to you be crazy about it, Johnny Knight was not a, 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 a bad person. He was a humble man. And he just said, we played the greatest game ever, you know, according to people, at least up until that time. You know, a game that helped you put the NFL on the map. Yep. You know, and they played in the game that changed the fortunes of the NFL when they, you know, when they lost Super Bowl three, the first Super Bowl to the Jets. So you know, it's like, listen, man, you, you got to understand how why people are get, would probably not as much anymore because you know a lot of those generations are gone or or just not not caring because the Ravens are, are here and, and they're they, they're doing great. You know, um, um, but but. It just, you know, if we could have had the Colts, had it called the Baltimore Colts at the time that it was all happening when the Ravens were moving, if we could have just said, if the Colts would have said, okay, we'll change our names to the Raceways or Speed Tracks or something, and you guys can have the Colts, if that would have happened, do you trust me, Baltimore would have been, like, overjoyed. And it didn't get to happen that way, and I guess it doesn't matter now. It's still just something to to think about, you know. And, and again, also the little side thing I said about my father, and, uh, yeah, he worked for Mayflower, and and not at the time. He, I don't think he worked for them at the time, but he always said if I was working then, I would have hid one of those trucks somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, and then that's and then the second thing because we're definitely going to talk about the record. I wanted to talk football, man. There's very few guys in the metal world that I interview that I get to talk sports with. I, as crazy as that sounds, you and Rutan are like two of the guys I always bring it up to because I know we'll have a good conversation. And uh, the passion. Se- yeah, there's passion to it. That's what I'm saying. The second thing, like I told you, I'm, I'm born and raised in Vegas, so it's a boxing town. And I've seen every great fighter live, whether it be Julio Cesar Chavez during my generation, all the way up to Tyson Fury, who whatever. And uh, it's just a different world when you see Mike Tyson uh, walk into the ring and, and you hear that shot hit somebody. It's hard to explain. I don't know if football's got the same effect, but, uh, man, that, those memories, they make me a boxing fan for forever. And it's hard to sell boxing to people on TV, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. that's my town, my man. It used to be, it used to be huge. I mean, boxing was a big thing, you know. It's, it's sad what's happened, but uh, I, I'm, I'm a diehard, so I still – because it's our town, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's sad what happened. And UFC's our town as well, but I, 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 can't, make the, I can't make the jump over. I don't know why. I don't know why. Some sort of old school. Yeah. It's it's like the guys that can do the streaming services. I can't do it. I'm still buying records. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> so, not no offense. Yeah, right. You know, you that's know. just the way you are. So, I but, mean, hey, you know, it's just old school. Just sometimes it's hard to, you know. My parents both have, you know, you know, phones and smartphones, and you know, I try. I tell them, you know, what to do. My mother, my mother couldn't get into her Facebook account and. So I think she ended up making another one and then saying, well, someone made this one for me and I got it back from them. And I'm like, come on, mom, just, just tell me what happened. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you made another one because you couldn't get in yours and I'll get into it. I'll figure it out, you know. <laughs> so, you know, forgot password, all that stuff. You know, not that I'm some computer genius or, or rather, you know, genius on the phone, but there's just some things that I know. And, you know, my father's just like, I want my flip phone. Fuck this piece of shit, you know. I'll throw it in the pond, you know, and so he gets all mad, and it's just like, listen, if you just take the time to just learn what it is, look, put it this way, I did two Zoom interviews yesterday, right? Yeah. Never had done Zoom before. Now, my oldest daughter, 
my youngest daughter, my oldest daughter, my, my youngest daughter wanted to go back to school physically. So she's attending right now. My other daughter's in her room and she's doing school um, remotely, you know, with her computer. And she does Zoom classes for her, you know, schoolwork, you know. And so I had to get her to come just show me just the basic things because I just, you know, I do things last minute and I only had like about an hour before I had to do it. So I had to figure it out. You know, whereas if I was to take my time, I would I would figure it out. But my parents, there would be no help for them. They would need me to do it. Not saying that they're just stupid, because that's stupid, but they just, you know, they're they're just not as computer savvy, you know, and, and they just, you know, they're living in a different era from a different time, you know, and it's just what happens, man. And, and I'm old school in certain ways when it comes to music like that. Like, I'll listen to stuff off of iTunes or whatever, you know, but, like, I don't think I own like a streaming service music wise, you know, Yeah. I, I'll listen to like, I'll listen to YouTube music and I'll just deal with the commercials, you know, yeah. I'll just deal with them. Big deal. It's like, if you're more, it's almost like you're growing up listening to radio when there was really not much else, unless you were sitting in your, you know, like if you were like when I was working on jobs with my father doing construction, you had the radio and there was songs you hated. And then all of a sudden you were whistling them because you just heard them a thousand fucking times. But the point is, is, I just remember those times, and I go, okay, well, YouTube, uh, music, okay, I'll do what you do in commercials, but I'll get to listen to the stuff that I, I can at least type in what I want. I want Seno, okay, Seno, Ceremony of Opposites. I'll hear the record, I'll hear two or three songs, I'll get a commercial, I'll hear two or three more songs, I'll get a commercial, then there's the last two songs, the uh, record's over, and I'll pick another one, and I'll just deal with commercials like I was listening to regular radio, but it's stuff that I like. It's the only good thing about it, you know, to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay to get rid of the commercials. I'm not paying the $1.99 a month just so that you don't badger me with dumb commercials. Because somewhere down the line, the $1.99 is going to turn into $3.99 and $4.99. And it's up to the person if they want. And um, this is not against anybody who does that. Because if you do it and you don't cut commercials, you're loving it. And George is just being an old codger who, and stubborn jerk, you know. But that's <laughs> what I'll do. You know, I'm just too old for that kind of shit, you know, to like... I just, to me, two dollars just to give it a commercial. I'll deal with. Yeah, I've been dealing with them. I'm with you. I, I completely agree with you on everything on there. Yeah, completely. What? Why? Yeah, why? It's it is truly to me throwing away that money, man. So, but let's let's do it. Let's let's jump into the record, everybody. That's that's here. We are here to celebrate the 15th record by Cannibal Corpse, "Violence Unimagined." Uh, tell me about the whole process. I know it was recorded in, I believe, June of last year during this pandemic. Tell me the writing process. Tell me all that went into this record um, before, uh, you know, before you guys decided to get it out here to the public for us. Well, yeah, it, it's been it has been done for a little bit, you know, before we actually released it. If things had been different, I, we probably would have got it done and had it out earlier and been on tour, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the world being the way it is, um, you know, uh, it you know it's, it's going to be out when it comes out. You know. You'll get it when we give it to you. But uh, um, the writing process, everybody just pretty much wrote at home. I think maybe Rob and Paul um, were uh, at our practice space uh, working on Rob's songs, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Ken Lutian has all the recording you know, things there, so he wrote his songs, and he you know, put the drum tracks to them, and then he gives them to Paul, and, and you know, he puts in you know, I mean, his two cents drum-wise. You know, he goes off of what routine had, but then, you know, obviously, because uh, that's, that's why I think him and Rob, like, you know, just get together physically and and then work on it you know, together. And Webster doesn't live in Florida anymore, so 
he uh, he he writes from home, same way, you know. And then, and it's, you can do that. You could. We could all live in you know four, you know five. You know, we could all live in, in like if you trace a pentagram or something. You know, we could live in different parts of the world and, and still be able to do it. I could sing from my house if I had the you know the right equipment. So it's things are changed as far as that goes. But you know, we all were. It's, at one point in time, we were all recording our parts outside of Alice. We recorded remotely and working routine. We were uh, all in the studio recording. Like, and, um, you know, it, to me, I usually come in, you know, second to last. Like, I think the solos are usually done. And sometimes they're done side by side, like earlier in the day, Rob or, or at the time pad, now, now routine. We'll do them during the day, and then I'll come in from, like, say, seven to whenever to do the vocals. And it, it, that hasn't changed. For me, nothing has really changed. I think maybe for them, writing at home is is, is a is a bigger like maybe not writing at home, but um, maybe Alex recording at home. But the rest of us were in the studio at one time or another recording, so it kind of wasn't that much different than, than any other record, you know. Yeah. Uh, now, one thing I did see that is, is Rutan did write three songs all the way through. Did he ever write? I know he yep. produced four records previously. Did he ever help with the songwriting process during uh, when he was just producing the albums, or is this the first time he's actually written a song wholly for Cannibal? This is the first. These are the first songs he's ever written. Like you know, these are just routine songs. Yeah. He wrote the lyrics. He wrote the music, and uh, you know, he uh, yeah. But he's 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 appeared like you know, Tom Kills now. He does a backup part, you know, on there. So you know, but I mean. And look, trust me, his his stamp is all over the, all the albums he's done with us. You know, uh, maybe not playing wise, but just you know, working with us and, and knowing us and you know, being friends for this long. You know, there's there's things that you know, obviously, you know, maybe not anything major that changed. Um, you know, on the on the on the older albums, but you know, definitely just you know how he deals, communicates with Rob and and with Pat at the time. You know about certain things, you know, maybe there were some tweaks that I'm unaware of or something, but yeah, these three songs are all him. He hasn't, you know, he, he has, uh, rather he has worked his ass off, you know what I mean? And then, you know, um, I, people are going to love him, dude. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it's cliche, but I think this is, you know, one of our best albums. I mean, you know, it's new, it's fresh for us still, even though it, it hasn't really been that long since we recorded it. So, Oh, no, absolutely, man. So I always wondered, because, like, a big fan for Cannibal Course Forever, like like a lot of the listeners, everybody out there, and there's really never any filler on any of your guys' records. So I always wondered, how do you guys choose, like, the first track, the first single to release? What are the parameters that, that need to happen, in your opinion, for it to be like, all right, this is the one that when I want to represent this record? Well, obviously, it's got to be a song, and you hear it. And it's it's us, you know. I mean, and and but, but I think that's going to be any song on our on any of our records. I think people have come to expect a certain thing, and you know, and we want to want it to be a song that is, is catchy, that is going to grab everyone. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, like you could almost say maybe the best song, but you know, maybe not because why would you want to put the best song out there first? Mm. You know, and say this is our best song. You know, rest of them are okay. You know, <laughs> no, you know. So we, we it's it's a balance. And we just pick one that obviously will just catch people right away, and they'll go, "Oh man, I you know this song is amazing! I can't wait." If this song is this good, what's the rest of the record like? Because they're going to assume obviously we're not putting the, the best songs out, for, you know, first. 
And that, that's not, again, it's a tricky question because now it makes it seem like, well, you may harvest, you know, we got better ones. No, because we just try to pick the best song we think will hit people in the mouth and get them thirsting for more, you know. Give them a little drink of blood and then hopefully they become more vampiric <laughs> and, uh, well, and then they, and they want more and they get addicted and next thing you know, they have the album and they love the whole thing. I mean, we, we, we don't try to write you know, just, okay, we got five really good songs, let's just fill it all out. No, I mean, every song is made to be the best song it can be, you know? I, I mean, I, I I think that uh, we do that, you know? I mean, and again, not everyone's going to like every single song on the record. If you have 10, 12 songs on a record, it's a lot of songs. But in general, people get used to the style of the stuff that we do. And, you know, I mean, the process is just really, we're just, what song we think will be best? And we all just... Everyone kind of has their opinion, and then we start to whittle it until we all agree on, okay, you know, maybe maybe I would have picked a different song. I'm not saying I would have for this one, but, I mean, maybe I would pick a different song, and then those guys would say, well, I think this, and then, of course, we just throw our ideas around. Everybody's listening to everybody. And then I'll say, well, I think this, and they go, well, that's a good idea. But, and then next thing you know, we all just kind of whittle it all down, all of our opinions, you know, and agree, okay, here's the one. And we don't ever come away where ever, someone's like, we just is dumb, and we shouldn't. It was never like that. We all just hear each other's opinions out and, and work together to you know, put out the, you know the first song to make sure that it's the, the song that we think is going to make bring the best, the most interest in this new album to everyone. Absolutely, and in, in Humane Harvest, we're going to play it, guys. It is a catchy song, like you said, in the Cannibal Award. Great track. Love it. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about real quick, and I just want to kind of a little bit promote, I know I know, I might be doing this early, but Brian Slagle does live out here in Las Vegas. For the people that don't know, he moved out here, and there is a Metal Blade Museum that he allowed me to go check out um, prematurely. It's got cannibal stuff everywhere. It's got Paul's drum kit. It's awesome. So I want everybody to keep in mind when that goes out there uh, that you guys do definitely come out here to Vegas and check out that Metal Blade Museum. Um, it's actually going to be two questions. I'm sorry. But... Um, uh, you know, Brian was telling me that now guys are taking the old Metal Blade logo and putting it on the on the record and the u- new one, and they get to pick which one. Which one did you guys pick to put on this one, the old logo or the new one? I don't even really remember. Oh, you don't remember? <laughs> I sound like such a fucking asshole right now. I, was, I thought I, it was cool. I, I really don't. I, I cannot for the life of me remember. So that, Seriously. I mean. That's, that's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Which one would you pick, the huh? old one or the new one? If Even though you don't remember, which one would you personally want on the record, the new one or the old one? I would have to sit and think about them. Like, <laughs> I'd have to envision them in, envision them in my mind. You know, you know, I, you know, I have two. Uh, they made them in Europe. I have two, like, like they're uh, plastic axes, you know, the, the metal blade axe with the blood on it. Mm. I have two of them here in my house. I, I got when in Europe. They brought them to one of the shows, and I was like, "Oh man!" And you know, someone was leaving one behind. I was like, "I'm taking that." You know, um, I love the old axe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm old school. I'm old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. And that was the the segue to the question: What is your favorite piece of memorabilia that you've gotten through the years? It might be the axe, for for all we know. But is there one piece from all the years of touring and and just being in the scene piece of memorabilia that you're like, I will never let that go? Oh, well, well, I get, okay, let's put it this way. If you're just talking about like a record or something like that, or if you're talking about something that's mine, um, if it's mine, I'm going to tell you right now what it is. Um, it's, I have a jacket, you know, like everybody else has a leather jacket. 
And I have my friends, this friend of mine who since passed away, uh, Charlie Smith, he he was he drew he, he was in our school and he was like a punk rock kid. Yeah, you know, at least that's what we thought, but he was all in the metal too. And then when I met him, I was into the punk stuff and the hardcore, you know, like and, and of course metal as well. But it, everyone thought we were gonna get along because you know, that was two sides of the fence. And we did and, and he had he had he drew um he had punk he had uh, exploited on the on the back of his exploited uh, logo and the and the uh, skull and everything. He had that on the back of his jacket. And the next day he came in, he had suicidal tendencies, you know, the skull with the bandana and everything. And I was like, dude, who's paying this for you? He's like, oh, me. You know, me and my father's an artist, and me too. And, you know, I just, you know, whatever. And then the next, like, week, and he kept this one for a long time, he had Master of Puppets on his jacket. The whole album cover. It was fucking amazing. So, um, you know, he basically covered over that. We cursed him, like, because that one was, you know, like, the suicidal tendencies is, is, was great, but it's, you know, the Master of Puppets, not that it's like the most intricate art record, but, you know, it just covers the whole back, and those ones were just little logos. So anyway, I was like, dude, man, could you do the Slayer logo on mine with the swords? And he did it. And I have that jacket to this day. That is, if, if you ask me anything from any anything I've ever, and I've gotten some great gifts from fans, and I'm not trying to naysay them, but if it comes to something that is part of my metal life, it is my leather jacket, 100%. And I, on the back, under the, under the Slayer logo, I have a Possessed logo. And on the arm, you can't really see it as much as faded. I have the Destruction logo going down down the left arm. And uh, I ended up working with my father years later. Just I just, you know, I just started being a dumbass. And, and I got pain all over it. And there's some old monstrosity pictures that we took when we went to Europe. And Lee, and Lee Harrison was wearing my jacket. And you could tell from the white splotches that are on, like, the front and the bottom of the arm. But I have that in my closet. And, um... Uh, that is my prized possession. That is the one thing if my house was burning down and, and, and I was just, you know, getting, getting something, it would, it, you know, it would be that jacket. Nice, dude. Oh, that's excellent, dude. So, the jacket went, let me tell you right now one more thing. That jacket went everywhere with me. In Baltimore, okay, now Florida's hot as balls. I mean, it's fucking hot here. You know, uh, when it gets summertime, it's really hot. And I'm not saying it's hotter on Baltimore, but it definitely... The humidity does travel there, up there, and I'm telling you, the, some of the days are hot as shit. But me and my friend, who was a guitar player, one of the guitar players in my first band, Corpse Grinder, it was my first band in Baltimore, man. My friend Jeff Moore, we used to walk to this, uh, from from where we lived, to this uh, record store called Vinyl Discoveries. And if it was July or August, it was hot as I had that leather jacket on. You bet. If I didn't have it on my per- body, I had it like, you know, flopped over my shoulder. You know, just over my shoulder. It went everywhere with me. Everyone called me Slayer George at every show. Hey, Slayer George. Nobody even knew my last name. You know, like except for my friends that I grew up with. You, know, they were at the shows. But all the other people that we knew that were from different parts of of, of, of Maryland and and or you know Baltimore area. Um, D.C. area, even Virginia and, and Delaware, people come over. We all see some other shows. They all call me Slayer George because of that jacket. And, and eventually my friend Charlie drew the Celtic Frost, the heptagram. You know, he, he did, like, green back on my friend Andy's jacket. And he put that, the, that in black. And my friend Jeff started, like, getting into the paint markers because that's what he was using. And, he, and then he, I, had a, I had a jean jacket that I wouldn't put over that one. It was sleeveless because I didn't want to cover the Slayer logo up. But that had, like, Nuclear Salt and Sodom logo on it. We were drawing all the jackets like crazy, like well, really the guys who were good at art. But um, 
yeah, man, I would. That jacket went everywhere. It, I mean, it's starting to become a burden, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter, especially when Slayer played. I think South Heaven at this place called the Network. I had that jacket on, and then you know Slayer George. That was that was that was who I was calling. You know, that was my nickname back in, in the scene in Baltimore because of that jacket. That jacket is my. I mean, I don't wear. Trust me, because I can't fit in the damn thing number one. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I not to not to jump no, on that, but my dad, my dad, he's no longer with us, and he had his leather jacket, and that's the one thing that I, I, he gave it to me after you know he passed away and stuff like that. And every time yeah. I wear it, man, it's like from the seventies; it's like old school. But that's what you're gonna you're gonna yeah. be able to pass that one down. And that's the that's the good thing. It's gonna it's gonna last generations, man. If you let them know. I mean, listen, yeah. you know, uh, uh, yes, I hope something. Look, it, look. Along the arms, if, if I could wear it and, and bend my arms, like I was like, doing a curl, like lift the weights, mm-hmm. the whole elbow part is just ripped. You can see all the foam stuff in it, you know. It just got beat up. When we first got our jackets, like for us, to break our jackets in, when I first got the jacket, you know, I remember my mother being yelled at me so bad. But, uh, you know, we used to hang down on, like, where, where my house was, there was a, uh, a cement company right next to it. It wasn't a huge area. It was just like a gated you know, Gary gated place, but it's the same plot size as like a house in Baltimore, you know, just maybe a little bit less. And then the electric company, uh, the, the one electric company ran right next to our backyard. So it was the electric company in this place right next to it. And we used to hang on the corner right there, me and my friends. We just hung out there. And then some new people would move in the neighborhood. And they'd be like, well, you know, who are these guys? And my mother's like, well, they've been hanging there for 10 years or five years or whatever it was at the time that we were there. And no one's going to come here and start trouble, you know what I mean? Because they didn't know who we were, you know. But anyway, when we first would get our jackets, anyone got a new jacket, we would take it and run down the street and then slam it on the ground and try to make the loudest boom we could. And my mother's like, I just thought that thing was going to scuff it all up and ruin it. Bob, I'm yelling at me. I'm just like, this is what we do. It's not breaking in. Trust me. You know, she's like, I don't care. And, you know, when you think about things like that, you think about how, like, parents might yell at their kids about something today, and you're just like, you know, you know, and the kids are just like, oh, you don't understand me or whatever. And it's the same damn thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something different slightly, but same thing. Like, I bought that jacket, you know, and you're just going to, you know, if my thought, if we thought, we, my, my youngest daughter, she loves, like, Japanese uh, Vocaloids, and they have a lot of these figures, and we buy the figures, you know. And not saying that she's done this, but... A couple of well, a couple of times she's tried to put put pieces in there. And they're really small, and, and you know, and I tell her, "Let me let me help you." You know, and she wants to be independent, and of course, I respect that. You know, and I want her to be, but you know, I I just you know, when you kids putting Legos together, you kind of just want to go get out of the way. I'll, I'll get it. You know, don't worry about it. So anyway, I've um, been there. Yes. If they, she messes up, we're like, "See, see, this is what happened. This is what happened." I told you. You know, it's the same thing. It's not the same as willfully like if she just willfully took the took the hair piece and snapped it in half. But, you know, there was a couple of times where we bought her some things, and she, and then we bought her, like, a paint set, and she wanted to, because she wanted to paint and draw, and she painted over stuff, and we're like, or when they paint on the walls, and you're like, yeah, you know, and I just felt myself, I, I just remembered my mother, just like, what are you doing with that jacket? Look at that, it's scraped off, and I was like, you know, and then I remember when I got layer logo painted on it, she gave me some hard time, and she's like, oh, I'll bet you won't be slamming on the ground now, you won't have that paint. Well, yeah, of course not. But I already posted it. I was slamming the guy on my. Yeah, I know. Oh, I mean, thinking about things like that, it's like I think about some of the ways I was when I was a kid. I'm just like, what a fucking asshole. Oh, <laughs> all of us. What a, what a, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, and we're gonna get that. We're gonna get that. Trust me, it's it's gonna come back around. I, 
I'm probably not going to be more patient than my parents were. I'll probably be the same. <laughs> like, I'll probably be like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I just know it. I, I hope I can be like, I understand, but I'm like, what are you doing? I just know it. I just know it's not going to change. It's a different perspective. Until you're there, you never really know. And that's just something I learned yeah. later in life. Until you're there, I can always comment and I do have opinions, but until I'm there, I'll never really, really know. Sure. You know, so for sure. Exactly. That's why when people, that's why when people say stuff about like, Someone in a band, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, well, you know, he could come out and sign my stuff and trust me, I, I feel like maybe I could have done more of that, you know, especially now in hindsight, not being able to tour and whatnot, where there were times where I would get on the bus and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm emotionally spent and all I want to do is put on Waylon Jennings, you know, or Hank Free and just drink some whiskey and beers and, and you know, and I, I, I'll do that one way or the other, mm-hmm. but I just want to just sit back. I don't want to have to you know, uh, change my clothes, calm down, you know, settle down, and then go out and start signing stuff. And then sometimes it just ends up that our bus call comes, and sometimes I probably, I definitely left fans just sitting there. And, you know, it's not my job to always sign stuff, but, you know, I appreciate the fuck out of the fans. I think now that it's gone, I don't appreciate it as much. But there are, trust me, there's regret about it, and there's times where, you know, when I'm thinking about it, you know, like how I, how I was and how I can be better. And, and fans sometimes have an opinion like, well, he should be told, you know, and it's like, listen, you don't know until you're there, you know, this is this man, the price, you know, you, you know, you think you want this and you think it's the greatest thing ever, you know, well, dude, the price, I mean, seriously, how long I wanted this dream to come true. And as it approaches, I can't believe I'm through. It's like, right when you get to the top and you see what really all the other things that, that, get, that go into doing what we do. Some people are like, fuck this. You know, this is one of my thoughts. I just want to play shows and hang out with my friends and drink beer. You know, and it, it's not. And it's other things and sacrifice. When, you, when you're just a – look, if, if I got in this band when I was, you know, when I was younger, if, I, you, know, if you start a band and, and you're single and you have, you know, nothing and you build it up and by the time you get to any real success, then all of a sudden you have a wife and kids and you don't want to leave, you got what you wanted. But there's also – now, you know, in your life, you're going to, you're going to get more things and you're going to start thinking about the sacrifices you have to make, you know, missing certain things and whatnot. I've, I've been home for probably half anniversaries. I've missed my birthday, you know, I've missed, you know, Stacey's birthday, you know, my wife, you know, I, I won't tour on the girls' birthdays. That's, that's, that's the rule. Well, you know, once I got, we were at the point where I could say, look, I'm not, I'm not touring on these two days and that's that. But, you know, all the other times, just, you know, call my mother from somewhere in Germany, you know, or whatever, for her birthday. You don't think about those things, you know. Nobody thinks about them. When you have stars in your eyes, you only see the stars, and you can't reach them. And when you get to them, it takes time. You get to them, and then you start seeing the things you have to, you know, sacrifice for for, for, for getting there, you know, or, or, or to get there. I mean, you know, and I look, I'm not boo-hooing. I'm just mm. saying that that's the reality. Yeah. You know, when you're... You know, when you don't think about, I don't think about, I didn't think about the things that I was doing and how they were affecting anybody else in my life when I was some dumb punk ass kid listening to fucking Possessed and Voivod and Southern Frost and Slayer. And I was just like, whatever. You know, I mean, it wasn't like I was like, fuck everybody. But I just think that there's some things that I know in situations, or a little, little argument maybe I have with parents or something that just kind of stuck with me. And I remember it like, man, I should have never, I should have handle this differently but you just don't know you learn the lesson after you're there pretty much and then and then if you don't and you repeat it multiple times that's probably 
that's probably where it's bad. But yeah, I think that's that's that journey. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you if you know what you're, you know, if you didn't learn the lesson, you know, then yeah. and trust me. I mean, and and I will say, it's bad, but you know, it's not over. If you're still no. fucking up, you know, you can change your life. You can you can you can do things differently. Trust me. I just think about I just think about some things and how I just like lollygagged through life, you know, and didn't do this or didn't do that. And people were like, you know, hey, you know, you should, you know. Think about this and think about that, and I just—I didn't want to hear. You know, I know better. You know, you know, my kids sometimes give me that hard time. Like, well, what the school did? What's this for? You know, what kid like school? You know, what I mean, and they're just like, it's not. And I, what do I need to learn this for and that for? It's just like, listen, learning anything is not bad. Trust me, mm-hmm. you can help people with computers if you know a lot about them. And if you, if, if, you know, if you have kids one day and you're and you get really good at math, you can help them with that. It's a hard thing for any kid who doesn't understand anything. You know, and you can. You know, the more you know, the better off you're going to be. You know, knowledge is king. You know, it's just the way it is. 100%. 100%. With that, everybody, I just got to tell you one more time. New record, Violence Unimagined. I already know you guys already pre-ordered it. It's coming out April 16th, guys. 15th record by Cannibal Corpse, man. You guys are, uh, like I said, the consistency. It's just one of our, all of our collective favorite bands. We can't wait to see these songs on tour, this album back on tour. So we'll keep our fingers crossed with that. And uh, with that, though, uh, George, always, always a pleasure, man, uh, to talk to you. Thank you so much, dude, for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Oh, yeah.
Fucking great songs, guys. New album, Violence Unimagined, is out April 16th. The first song you heard is the latest track, Murderous Rampage, the opening track to the record, guys. It's fucking excellent. And then the second song, Inhuman Harm. It's got a video out there for that one. Make sure you check it out, uh, guys. So um, new record, once again, it's Violence Unimagined. It's out April 16th. If you are a metal guy and you listen to the show, the chance of you pre-ordering this already is huge. But if you haven't, Stop fucking around. Let me just say something. Cannibal Corpse coming out and naming their album Violence Unimagined. Um, You've imagined some <laughs> insane fucking violence, Cannibal Corpse. I think you've covered it. <laughs> we, know, we know the album's going to be fucking fantastic, but I'm just saying, dude, come on. You've yeah. imagined some pretty fucking amazing violence. Let's, let's not cut corners here. Exactly. And with that, I, I, I hate to bring the show back kind of down a little bit, guys. Um, this is kind of me being selfish. This is a personal thing, and I do want to reach out to our listeners right now. Um, a close friend of mine, uh, oof, i got to hold myself together here. Fuck. A close friend of mine has gone through a very, very rough year, um, and he's had some medical issues that are going to put him down for a while and possibly permanently. His name is Alan Lachance. Um, I've known him for, I can't tell you how many years. Um, and this last year, he was unfortunately diagnosed with cancer. And um, I got to like, I go to the gym at 4 a.m. And Alan, even with this diagnosis, he'd be there with me. Um, even if he just lift his arms with the barbell, he wanted to be there. And so... Um, this week, uh, a turn for the worst kind of happened, and we, his friends, his family, everybody out here, <clears throat> we put together a GoFundMe for him, so. It's available on the Rise to Offend, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at uh, Rise to Offend. We also put it on the Rise to Offend Facebook fan page. 
Um, It'll be on the show notes. Um, if you guys click on this episode show notes and, um, again, anything we can do for his family is very, very important to us. Until next week, guys, thank you so much for your help. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.